Hello, everyone, and either welcome or welcome back to the Gender Libertarian Podcast. If you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Well, this week didn't really go according to plan. Um, Obviously, in case you missed my last two episodes, um, I was supposed to be at Mobilize 2020 at the back half of this week, but obviously that didn't happen because the city of Dallas canceled it. And if you missed my last episode, I talked to Cliff Maloney, the president of Young Americans for Liberty, about that. So if you missed that whole story, go back and listen to that episode. We discuss more in detail about exactly what ended up happening. And so, yeah. Here we are at the end of another very, very odd, unpredictable week where, yeah, um, some troubling things have happened this week outside of my own personal stuff. So let's go ahead and start where I always start, and that is with the unemployment numbers. For the week ending on August 1st, um, the unemployment numbers, the new initial unemployment claims, came in at 1.2 million for the week. So it was a downtick. And this is this is indicative of where we're at now. I saw that number and I was like, wow, that's good. And I had to remember, no, that's still absolutely awful. It's just less awful than it has been. But just it, it's an indicator that this is what is becoming the new normal now of a million plus per week. Like I've been saying, this is not slowing down. I, I'm worried that it might end up ticking up a bit here with schools going back in because I'm I'm sure as everybody's noticed, schools are starting to go back in in a different hodgepodge of different ways across the country, across various states even. And so I'm wondering, especially for school districts that go either hybrid or full online, what is going to happen to the normal support staffs that would normally be in the traditional school setting? Like, what are they going to do? I mean, I would assume that they're going to be out of a job because if there's no kids going to the actual school, then you don't need to have the support staff there. So I'm kind of worried about that, but I'm glad to see it tick down to 1.2 million. That's the lowest we've had in, gosh, a couple of months now. Yeah, it's been a minute. So... <laughs> Oh, that sounds so sad to say that that's like, we look at that number and like, oh, this is good. This is great. Like, no, this is not great. This is still awful. Still a massive, massive problem, which um, we'll go ahead and get to that in a little while because we've got lots of, of executive orders to talk about. Many, many executive orders. I'm not entirely sure if any of them are legal, but they exist. So let's go ahead and start with the TikTok situation. And let me pick up from where I left off the last time I talked about it, because there's been a lot of development since the last time we talked about TikTok. Um, Ultimately, what happened is Trump has signed an executive order saying that in 45 days from the signing of that order, which would be September 15th, Um, unless both TikTok and WeChat, which is another social media-ish app that is owned by a Chinese company, unless they are sold to a U.S. company, they will be banned in the United States. So (laughs) let me, let me kind of back up and say before that, or even kind of like concurrently with that, because this is a big part of the story that pretty much tells me what's really going on here. So Trump is in public making a statement about the Microsoft deal with TikTok, which at this point, I don't, 
I, I don't know where that stands. I don't see... Oof. I mean, ByteDance doesn't really have a choice right now, but this is not the situation where you want to be trying to make a deal right now because it's basically a forced deal at this point. Either they sell to somebody or they get banned in the United States. So anyway, Trump's making these statements and his dumbass comes out and says, well, you know, since the U.S. government has done so much to make sure that this deal happens, that the U.S. government, specifically the Treasury Department, deserves to get a chunk of this deal. Mikey deadass said that in public. That's... That is not how this works, people. The President of the United States basically just engaged in a shakedown operation to try to get, I'm not entirely sure who would be paying this ransom, whether it would be Microsoft or ByteDance, but basically saying that, oh, because I created these conditions, we should get some of this money. Excuse me, sir. No, that is not how this works. That is not how private industry in the United States works. The U.S. government does not get a cut of a fucking deal. You definitely don't get a cut of a deal when you're forcing the deal to happen. Like, what? You've lost your damn mind. So, on the backdrop of that, he signs an EO citing, citing national security concerns as to why TikTok and WeChat need to be banned in the United States. Okay. Let me try to kind of explain what people's problem is with TikTok and how how this kind of works. I've seen a lot of people reverse engineer the code for TikTok to try to figure out exactly how much data it does mine. And it mines a lot of data. Let's be honest. It mines a lot of data. And because TikTok is owned by a Chinese firm, that technically means that any of that data is the property of the CCP because obviously there's no private property in China. So anything that is produced out of China by a Chinese company is Chinese property. So theoretically, yes, China could, if they wanted to, go to ByteDance or go to Tencent, who owns WeChat, and say, give us this data. And people have compared this to how the U.S. government can go to a social media company and demand certain data. Okay, it's an equivalency, but there is a distinct difference between, say, the U.S. government going to Twitter and asking for somebody's user data or asking for aggregate data and basically asking because they want it and the Chinese government going to either ByteDance or Tencent and demanding this data because it's theirs, because they own it, it's their property, because that's how things work in communist countries. So yeah, it's a bit different. It's not exactly a one-to-one equivalent. So I understand people being a bit squirrely about that. Would China do that? I don't know. What would they use this data for? Beats me. I mean, it's TikTok. It's a bunch of kids doing viral dance challenges I mean, I don't, I don't know what the CCP would want with this information. I mean, I don't know what they would want with user data for people that are not in China. Like, I can understand them wanting this data for Chinese citizens, but for U.S. citizens, I don't know what applicable use there would be for it. But in theory, yes, they could get it. And yes, I understand that this weirds a lot of people out. My suggestion for a solution to that problem would be 
just don't use those apps then. Like if you don't want China having access to whatever data can be mined through the TikTok app or the WeChat app, just don't use those apps. Like problem solved, right? Anywho. So basically based on those sort of concerns, we have this national security sort of trumped up sort of, I'm sorry, we shouldn't say trumped up anymore, but this kind of judged up rationale for telling a business that they cannot operate within the United States. And this would only apply to the actual apps themselves. Like you could still access TikTok via the internet. I think you could still access WeChat via the internet. I'm not entirely sure how that works, but you can't really ban TikTok thoroughly in this country. What would have to happen to have that happen is you would have to actually put in place like a Chinese style firewall to keep people from accessing TikTok online. Like you could force a situation where you would have to make like Apple and Google take the apps out of their app store. That you could do. You shouldn't do it, but you could theoretically do it. Where that would leave people who already have the apps installed on their phone, I don't know. This executive order isn't very clear on much of anything in the way of actual policy enforcement, which tells me that they're not actually expecting to do this because, I mean, there's no... There's no kind of layout of, well, how, how, like, how would you even like logistically do this? How would you ban TikTok in the United States? But so national security concerns. Well, that really doesn't hold up anymore. Now that you've gone out in public and basically said that you're trying to force this deal so that you could get a cut of the money for the U.S. government, national security just went out the fucking window. Like, no, that's not why you're doing this. Why he's doing it, I don't know. Some people have speculated it's because of the Tulsa rally. I really don't think it's that. I think it's just doing something for the sake of doing it. Like, I don't even understand. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, I I don't know. It's just, it's stupid to me. I, I don't, there's so many other things to be worried about right now. And this dude's out here worried about fucking TikTok and WeChat. And as far as the national security concern thing goes, you can, and to the best of my knowledge, I believe this is already in place, you can ban federal employees from installing those apps on federally owned devices, and that would solve your national security concern, I would think. But again, like this is just, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever Um, TikTok in their official statement has already said that they're going to be exploring legal channels. So yes, this will be going to the courts and I can see another arbitrary and capricious ruling coming down on this because it is arbitrary and capricious. Like if that's what you're concerned about, if you're genuinely like a national security concern, do you know how many other Chinese firms already operate within the United States and data mine? Like even if you want to talk about Tencent, who owns WeChat. They also own the company that puts out um, Legion of Legends, which is a massive online game. And they own part of Riot Games, which owns Fortnite. So technically speaking, if you're worried about national security concern, you'd have to crack down on those two. You'd have to crack down on pretty much any Chinese company operating within the United States that does any kind of data mining, because that would be a national security concern too, right? 
but we're not doing that. So what? It just seems like a really, this, this whole thing, I mean, the only thing I can think is that it is just to try to force the sale to Microsoft. And to be clear, I've not seen anything where anybody has suggested at all that Microsoft wanted any of this to happen. So like, this has got to be embarrassing for them. It's probably going to ruin the deal because like I said, I, it's, at this point, it's coercement. Like, I don't even understand how, if this deal went through, how, say, ByteDance couldn't turn around and sue because of everything that has happened around this deal. So, like, I don't, I don't even understand how this is, any of this is going to hold up in a court. But the broader point here is that we've got two problems. First off, this is the president unilaterally deciding who does and does not get to do business within the United States. This is not the president's job. Like if, if, if you really wanted to do this, if you really wanted to ban TikTok, if you really wanted to ban WeChat, the proper body would be Congress. You can go, you can create a bill, debate it on the floor, vote on it, do it that way, and then have a law that says TikTok can't be used in the United States. It would be insane. It would probably be like, 15 different ways against the First Amendment, but you could do that through that process if you wanted to. One person deciding that because of what the fuck ever reason, and really there's not a clear reason given for as to why we need to ban these apps from the United States, that one person can just decide, oh, well, within 45 days, if you don't sell to a U.S. company, we're just going to ban you from this country. That's bad. That's really bad. Like, good luck getting any foreign company to do business within the United States again bad. Because if that is the precedent that you want to set, that the president can just decide, okay, I know you have established business interests here. I know you've got this, that, and the other going on here. And for what it's worth, there is such a thing as TikTok US. Like, US user data is stored on US servers. There's a backup in Singapore. They have a U.S. CEO. They have a whole U.S. branch of operations. And that's what was going to get sold to Microsoft. To come in and say that, okay, because of whatever reason, like the, the, no reason at all, because you are in a situation where you might possibly have to do a thing in the future if another entity decides that they want to do something in the future. Because to be clear, nobody's said that either TikTok or WeChat has done anything wrong. Nobody has said that they've handed over any information to the Chinese government. Nobody has said that the Chinese government has asked for this information. This is all kind of a hypothetical thing of, well, this could happen and then that could happen. And so therefore, because this and that could happen, we are going to ban these apps. Like that seems to be the only rationale being put forth here. And so based on that, you're going to kick a company out of the United States and tell them that they cannot operate here. No, 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 no. That's, that's not okay. I don't care what you think about TikTok or WeChat. The proper forum for this would be, like I said, either Congress or just people deciding not to use the damn apps. Like that's all you got to do. If you're worried about China taking your information, don't use the apps. Bam. Problem solved. The other way we could have solved this problem would be for Trump to have sat down, shut the hell up, and let Microsoft acquire TikTok US. Then... We would be like, 
every other social media company who mines your user data and keeps it right here in the good old U.S. of A. Like, this problem was already halfway solved. Like, it was already on its way to being solved. If you genuinely think that it's a national security threat, well, then great. Microsoft was already in talks to buy it. Just shut up. Let them buy it. Let them bring it completely out of China into the United States. And then, boom, problem fucking solved. Like, this whole situation did not have to be. And so that's why I don't understand why it is. Like, what? I'm... I don't know. Like, this is stupid. It's so stupid. And like, I don't think it's going to hold up in a court because, like I said, you do have some 1A issues here. You do have the fact that the president just decided to ban somebody for nothing. Yeah, I don't see it holding up in court. But then again, that means you have to wind your way through court, yada, yada, yada. So we shall see what happens with that. But I'm not... I don't see how either legally or logistically the president of the United States can ban an app from being used in the United States. Like, I just don't see how that can happen. But moving on from those problematic EOs, because we're not done. We are not done with problematic EOs for the week. Um, On Saturday, Trump signed four executive orders based around COVID relief sort of things and stuff on the premise that because Congress has not come to any kind of deal, either extending the CARES Act or replacing it with something else, that he is going to just unilaterally decide what the new COVID response is going to be. So we've got an EO saying that going forth until the end of the year, um, federal unemployment will be at $400 a week, with a split between the states having to pay 25% and then the federal government paying the other 75%. Any plans on taking funds from the FEMA Disaster Relief Fund to fund this? Which, by the way, hi, it's still hurricane season, guys. Hurricane season's not done yet. So this whole idea that there's unspent money in the Disaster Relief Fund, like, well, we're not out of the disaster season yet, so maybe hold your horses there. But anyway, we've also got an EO that extends the federal eviction moratorium and encourages the federal government to find money from somewhere to give to the people to help them stay in the houses. And I explained this when the CARES Act came out, but the federal eviction moratorium only applies to properties that are like HUD-backed loan properties. Like anything where the loan is through the federal government, that's what applies to. It does not apply to anybody else. It's HUD, Fannie, and Freddie. So if you have a mortgage through like a private bank, it doesn't apply to you. If you are a renter, it does not apply to you. So don't, don't, don't get too hopped up about it. This is not an eviction moratorium for everybody in the whole country. And then we also have an executive order that defers the payroll tax starting on September 1st and, 1st and going to December 31st. I want to make something very clear about this, though. It is a payroll tax deferment. As in, you will be expected to pay this back later, at some point next year, again. Implementation, a little sketchy on the details, don't really know how this is supposed to happen, but per Trump's EO, this is what's supposed to happen. So just keep that in mind. It's not it's not a, a like tax holiday, it's a deferment. So yeah, you're going to have to pay that money back eventually. 
And then the last EO is about the student loan debt. So student loan relief plans have been extended to the end of the year. I believe they were set to expire in September. And then the interest rate for federal student loans, again, this is all based on federal programs, is dropped to zero. So, yeah. Um, is any of that legal? No. No, probably not, because that's all, that's all Congress's job. Like, the president doesn't get to just unilaterally decide what taxes are and are not enforced. He does not get to unilaterally decide that we are just going to extend federal unemployment. He does not get to unilaterally just take money earmarked by Congress from one account and just throw it into another account because he says so. That's not how this works. It also isn't how it works by telling states that they have to spend X amount of money on this program that they did not agree to. And for what it's worth, a lot of states have already come out and are like, we can't afford that. Like, obviously, state unemployment systems are already incredibly overburdened right now. I mean, you've got the the funding for unemployment on the state level. I mean, is being hammered in every state. Do they have the money to do this? I don't know. Probably not. But again, implementation is that... <laughs> logistics. Nobody does logistics in the government anymore. It's just like, oh, just figure it out, I guess. Find the money somewhere. So I don't know if states are going to have the option to opt out of that because they can't meet the 25% match. I don't know. Like all of this is just very, very scary, honestly, because like I said, this isn't legal. It's not legal, but just because something is illegal doesn't mean that somebody can't try to do it. I mean, all of us do illegal stuff all the time. It, it's not just because something's illegal, just because there's a piece of paper that says, hey, you can't do that, doesn't really stop a lot of people from doing things. So it's not really stopping the president of the United States from just doing whatever the fuck he wants to do right now. And that's not good. That's a little frightening. Actually, that's a lot frightening because obviously this is an election year. And if... If he can get away with this stuff, and there have been rumors floating around that he plans on doing an executive order based around mail-in voting, which again, would be an egregious overstep of the executive branch. First of all, the federal government does not have any right to tell individual states how they handle their voting. It's done on a state level for a reason. No, the president does not get to have any kind of power over how states choose to do their voting. Full stop. No, no, no. But maybe he'll try it. I don't know. I don't know what this dude's going to do anymore. It's, it's getting to the point where things are getting a bit unhinged in the White House, more so than they have been. And I mean, I, I can't see how nobody told him that you can't do any of this, that like none of this is legal. But he just hauled off and did it anyway. And whether Congress is going to do anything or not about it, I don't know. It's beginning to look a lot like no. Because, of course, Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer are like, oh, this is awful. This is so, this is so blatantly unconstitutional. It's like, well, are you guys going to do anything about it? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. Because here's the thing. Now, say Trump gets away with all this. Say he gets away with doing these things that are blatantly unconstitutional. Now the precedent is set. Now the next president has these shiny new powers. And 
Maybe this is just me being cynical, but I can see this being a situation where Democrats basically don't do anything, at least congressional Democrats don't do anything, because first off, I mean, now you don't have to sit here and try to negotiate a new COVID relief bill, a new COVID stimulus bill, any of that, because the president just stepped in and did it for you. He just did your job for you. So now you don't have to do it. Second of all, now when it's your guy in the seat, which Democrats are kind of betting that Biden is going to win in November, now he has these shiny new powers and he can use them to just EO in whatever the hell he wants. And so I can see this being a situation where they're shutting up and just letting this ride because A, they're getting what they want anyway, and B, why why kill this goose that's laying this golden egg right now? Because pretty soon we think that our guy is going to be sitting on the golden egg. Maybe that's me being cynical, I, but I mean, I just, I don't, I, I don't see Congress doing anything about it. And I can really see that being the reason why. And that sucks. That sucks for all of us. Because I don't know how else to stop this other than Congress stepping up and saying like, okay, you cannot just decide unilaterally that you are going to create or extend these programs when that is our job per the Constitution. Like nobody else is really going to have legal standing to stand up and say something. Nobody's going to have like legal standing to sue the Trump administration. So if they don't do it, then nobody's going to do it. And then we're all kind of fucked because that means basically Congress doesn't exist pretty much. They're basically irrelevant. You don't need Congress anymore. If the president can just EO whatever he wants, then they can just pack up and go home. Like, that's it. So it's it's scary. This is very, very frightening territory. And I know it all seems like it's based around stupid, stupid stuff. And it is. Like TikTok and WeChat, this is fucking stupid. The president deciding that because Congress either can't or won't do their job, and so he's just going to EO things into existence, is less stupid. But still, people are going to excuse it on the basis of, well, Congress isn't doing their job, so the president had to do something, which I remember when people made that argument, myself included, about DACA, and a bunch of Republicans weren't trying to hear it. But now, all of a sudden, now that it's their president... Now it's like, oh, well, I mean, Congress isn't doing their job, so the president has to step up and do it for them. I'm like, really, guys? Really? And this isn't nearly as dire a situation as DACA was. But it's funny to see how the arguments change. And whether, whether it was constitutional for Obama to have done what he did with DACA well, it's not been ruled unconstitutional yet, so... Oh, this is so bad. This is bad. No good. But before before I leave this episode, I want to talk about what happened in Beirut, because this is kind of a... This is an interesting story, and kind of maybe a little more uplifting, although not really, because people died. But I'm sure everybody who's on social media saw all of the videos coming out of Beirut about the massive, massive, insane explosion that happened at the port in Beirut. I have never seen anything like that in my life. That was the most insane thing. And we have dozens and dozens and dozens of videos because people were videoing it when it was just like a fire at the port and then the explosion happened and it was like, holy shit. But 
The official explanation coming from the Lebanese government is that 2,750 tons of ammonium nitrate were actually being stored at the port. It came out of an abandoned Russian tanker back in 2014, I believe. And the Lebanese government has been trying various and assorted ways to get rid of this ammonium nitrate by either like trying to donate it to the military or trying to donate it to private firms, basically trying to get it out of the port. And for whatever reason, we're not successful. So you have all this ammonium nitrate sitting here and how the initial fire started seems to be a bit sketchy. Some people say it was a welding accident. Some people say it was like there was a fire at a fireworks factory that it was apparently at the port, which why the fuck do you have a a firework factory at the port? Really? What? God damn it, Lebanon. Anyway, so this explosion happens. And at this point, we have 135 people dead, at least 5,000 people injured and 300,000 people displaced because this explosion leveled a good chunk of Beirut. And poor Beirut. I mean, the people in Beirut would really like their stuff to stop being blown up. Oh, I feel so bad for these people. If you know anything about the history of Lebanon or Beirut, you're just like, oh my God, you guys finally just got back on your feet and now everything's blown up again. Damn it. But the interesting thing to me about this story is that because of social media, this got reported like so far and wide, so fast, and we had so many videos of what happened, just different angles, different perspectives. And it was just like, it was a really interesting application of how news can spread now without there being any kind of like centralized agency pushing it out. I mean, these were just people who were in Beirut and happened to be filming and they filmed this and they put it up on social media because obviously that's what you do. And so this is another example of, I mean, I'm sure it would have been a story regardless. I mean, obviously something this massive of a screw up is not going to go unnoticed by the international media. But the fact that it became the story that it did was because of social media and because we had all these crazy videos and people were just like, what the fuck is this? And of course, of course, because social media is what it is, we had numerous conspiracy theories pop up almost immediately about how this was either like an Israeli attack or somebody attacking or some people were trying to actually say it was an atomic bomb. I'm like, have you people ever seen an atomic bomb? Like this explosion was insane, but it was not an atomic bomb. People just everything with a mushroom cloud is not an atomic bomb. We learned that, or at least we should have learned that already. But it was just a fascinating application of how, you know, a lot of times we say that social media is trash and just garbage and just a vile toxic cesspool. But sometimes, sometimes, it actually does serve a very, very important purpose. And that is the dissemination of information. Sometimes that information is not great information. Sometimes it's misinformation. Sometimes it's disinformation. But sometimes it's situations like this, where all of a sudden, like, now everybody knows what happened in Beirut because everybody saw the videos and was like, oh my God, there was a massive explosion in Beirut. And so people that might not have even have known anything about it because they don't necessarily follow international news, now knew about it because it was on social media, because all of a sudden it's in your Twitter feed because everybody's retweeting these videos. And now you're like, holy shit, I know about this thing that happened over over in Beirut. So I just, I, I like social media and I try to stand for it as much as I possibly can. And this is one of those situations where I, I think 
it that social media kind of proves its value and its worth and the reason why we kind of need to try to protect it and keep it as far away and out of government hands as humanly possible just to keep the freest flow of information possible so that when stuff like this happens, you can know about it like almost instantaneously because it's just like, poof, everybody knows because you put it on social media. So anyway, what's going to end up happening in Lebanon now? I don't know. I know there are now protests in Beirut against the government because apparently this is kind of a situation there like we have here where their government has just been really inept and corrupt for a long time. And then now this is just like that straw that broke the camel's back situation where now your ineptitude and your corruption just got a bunch of people killed and injured and homeless. So now people are really pissed off in Beirut again. Poor Beirut. But anyway, we'll see what ends up happening with that. Maybe, maybe much like here, this will be the thing that kind of spurs them on there to do something about their government and maybe get some changes made because this is a pretty big fuck up. I mean, this, this should not have happened. That should not have been there. And oh, oh, I almost forgot. On top of everything else, next to the port of Beirut was a grain silo that housed most of the country's grain. So now they're having to scramble to bring in exports so that they don't have a grain shortage. Which again, why is that there? Like, oh my god, this is... Just stupid decision on top of stupid decision on top of stupid decision. And now you have people dead and injured and homeless and possibly a grain shortage. Because 2020, that's what you need is a food shortage. So anyway, fingers crossed for the poor people of Beirut in Lebanon. Because Lord knows they've been through enough. And yeah, just hopes and prayers for them. But at this point, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this up. So if you did make it this far, thank you as always. And if you do like this, please rate, comment, and subscribe. You can find me on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Spotify, YouTube, and on my Patreon page. Take care and until next time.